Recently on the Marketplace Morning Report, you heard our Democracy in the Desert series. We took you to places characterized by researchers as news deserts to see what communities stand to lose when they're without a local news ecosystem, especially during an election year. This kind of reporting takes resources. David Brancaccio went on a six-day reporting trip with two of our producers, grounding themselves in these communities and meeting locals who are trying to find solutions and fill the gaps. Every donation to Marketplace helps sustain this kind of in-depth journalism. Please give what you can today at marketplace.org slash donate. Recently on the Marketplace Morning Report, you heard our Democracy in the Desert series. We took you to places characterized by researchers as news deserts to see what communities stand to lose when they're without a local news ecosystem, especially during an election year. This kind of reporting takes resources. David Brancaccio went on a six-day reporting trip with two of our producers, grounding themselves in these communities and meeting locals who are trying to find solutions and fill the gaps. Every donation to Marketplace helps sustain this kind of in-depth journalism. Please give what you can today at marketplace.org slash donate. Aircraft delivery delays? Well, the consumer's going to have to pay. Hello, you're listening to the Marketplace Morning Report, live from the BBC World Service. I'm Leanna Byrne, and a very good morning to you. Now, one of Europe's biggest carriers is warning of a 10% ticket price rise this summer because Boeing hasn't delivered its new planes on time. Ryanair's boss, Michael O'Leary, says he's looking for compensation because of the delays. The BBC's Katie Silver is across this one. Hi, Katie. Hi there. Katie, is this a supply and demand problem where because there isn't the supply of the airplanes, therefore the price is going to go up? Yeah, so that's exactly what they've said. So I've heard from the chief executive of Ryanair, Michael O'Leary, and he said that basically they had expected about 57 different Boeing 737 Maxes to be delivered um, in time for the summer season. Now they're revising this down, saying they're only going to get 40 to 45. That delayed delivery of the planes is basically going to constrain capacity for passengers and altogether push prices up. So we've seen, for example, Ryanair revising down their forecast for the number of passengers they're going to be able to take this year from 205 million down to about 200 million. And of course, this all comes at a very tricky time for Boeing. It's not the first time prices have gone up for that airline. No, and it's certainly not the first time that we've seen airline prices being really challenged. Of course, post-COVID, passengers around the world are facing higher costs of flying. Then, of course, you've got coupled with that the issues when it comes to fuel supply and and costs in recent times on that front. We've also heard it's not just Ryanair. We've heard, for example, one of their competitors, Wizz Air, saying that due to a problem with engines, they've had to ground a number of Airbus planes. They're also going to be um, having to hike prices as a result of this. And so we're hearing as well from Ryanair basically saying that there's going to be a higher fare environment across Europe this summer. Okay. BBC's Katie Silver, thank you so much for joining us on Marketplace. Thanks. Let's do the numbers. European and Asian stocks are mostly in the red ahead of a busy week of economic data out of the US and the Eurozone. Hong Kong's Hang Seng closed down five-tenths of a percent and Europe's region-wide stock 600 is down three-tenths of a percent. Now, he's once China's richest man. Now the death has been announced of Zheng Jingko at the end of 79. He rose from poverty to amass a multi-billion dollar fortune as the founder of Wahaha, a soft drinks brand started in the 1980s. Twelve years ago, he spoke to the BBC about his status as one of China's wealthiest men. Lots of people here are still poor, while only a small number are rich. 
This wealth gap has become a huge problem and has triggered social dissatisfaction. I spend less than my workers. I believe in a simple life. I give money to charity. So even though I'm rich, I wouldn't be hated for it. The rich should earn respect. That was the late Zhang Jinko. Two years on from Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the war has become an essential part of Russia's economy. But how much of a risk does that pose to the country? I spoke to Ruben Inokolopov, professor at the Barcelona School of Economics, and I asked him how Russia's economy is doing. It's doing way better than expected by most of the experts. But despite all of this, it's actually clearly struggling. Uh, So there was a fall in the GDP in 2022. Uh, There was a slight growth in 2023. This growth is mostly driven by increase in government expenditures. And a lot of it is just compensating the fall in 2022. So our uh, Russian economy is basically, it's holding on. Russia relies heavily on their war economy. Does that leave its economy exposed if war is its main driver? This is a fiscal stimulus, like government spends a lot and that helps economy, but it's not the healthy growth. The government budget deficit is pretty pretty big. It's increasing. While there's so much money spent on war economy, yes, it boosts these particular sectors. It does not translate that much into increase in living condition. Currently, if you look at the income that Russian citizens have, it's more or less reaching the level of, of 2013. So much money goes to the military sector, other sectors are struggling. One year, two years from now, yes, it's, this model can be sustained, but not more. Are sanctions actually having an impact on Russia's economy? You see that some sanctions were obviously effective, predominantly sanctions on export of gas, and uh, less so of oil, not because of the sanctions, not because mostly because um, the sanctions are not being really enforced. A lot of other financial sanctions, actually, in my view, they're backfiring. They were actually helping Russian economy. Russia was not relying on attracting investments from foreign countries. It was exporting, it was sending capital out of the country. A lot of capital was flowing out of Russia. And this, what sanctions did, they closed this flow. So a lot of capital was staying in Russia. Russia, major producer of gas, And the big buyer of that used to be Europe. Now, Europe has been able to cut that tie. But what's that done to Gazprom? That's Russia's state-owned energy company. Is it in trouble? They're trying to increase the sales to China, but it does not compensate. If you look at the financial situation of Gazprom, it's in big trouble. It used to be always one of the worst government company in, in Russia because they had so much money, they didn't care about the costs. Now it's being exposed big time. So if you look at the shares of Gazprom, they fell tremendously. Whatever is left of the price of Gazprom is mostly driven by the fact that Gazprom owns shares in other uh, gas companies. Ruben Ikolopov, thank you so much for joining us on Marketplace. Thank you very much for inviting me. And finally, the Royal Mint, it makes Britain's coins. It's unveiled a new collectible coin featuring the late pop star George Michael. Collectible features a headshot of the singer wearing his trademark sunglasses and an engraving of the refrain from his song Faith. And if you want to check it out, just have a look on the BBC News website. And that's it from the Marketplace Morning Report from the BBC World Service. My producer today was Liz May. Our editor is Joe Critcher. And I'm Leanna Byrne. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.